Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. So, of course, on Thursday, it was Thanksgiving. And Thursday, Thanksgiving is one of the holidays that has some of the most family traditions around it, doesn't it? There's traditions around the holiday. There's traditions that each one of us have in our individual families. So let's talk about a few traditions for Thanksgiving. How many of you have turkey at Thanksgiving? Yes, almost everybody. Very few people have anything else. All right, now let's get one that's slightly more controversial. How about uh, how many of you are pumpkin pie people? All right, what about uh, cherry pie? That's, that's my favorite. Do we have apple pie? Okay, very good variety here. Football is another Thanksgiving tradition. You watch the game. Some people even go out and play a little touch football in the yard. Football, Thanksgiving tradition. Travel can be a Thanksgiving tradition. Out-of-town family comes in. You go visit out-of-town family. Now, how many of you at some point during your Thanksgiving meal have everyone go around and share what they're thankful for? How many of you is that a family tradition? Okay. Not as many as I would have thought, but yeah, this is a constant in my family. Now, there's one more family tradition at Thanksgiving, okay? And that is interrogating all of the single members of your family about their relationship statuses. This is a holiday tradition as old as the holiday itself. And it's, of course, it was true in my family too. Right about the time the pie came out, my young adult cousins got the inquisitions. Okay, are you dating anybody? Who are they? What do we know about them? Why are you not dating anybody? And then the advice starts coming out. Well, are they good with their mother? Is that, is, that, is that happening? You know what? It's good that you're not dating anybody. Push that off as long as possible. Family have all sorts of helpful advice when it comes to our relationship status, especially those of you who are single. Now, this happened to me. This tradition was, you know, something that I had to participate in on a regular basis. I can remember one particular Thanksgiving, I brought my girlfriend to the family gathering. I think it was the first time that some of my family had met her. And five minutes in, not five minutes in, my uncle comes up to me and says, okay, well, is she the one? Who drops a relationship bomb like that in the middle of a family gathering? I, like, what are you, how are you supposed to respond to something like that? Now, I don't know what I said, but this is where the narrator comes in and says, yeah, she was not the one. <laughs> but I remember this. I remember this happening to me on a regular basis. But their family members are always full of helpful questions and advice. Here's some advice that I just saw recently. Reminder, put all the girlfriends and boyfriends at the edge of the family photos. That way they're easier to cut out. Okay? This is a helpful one. You know, if you're photoshopping, if you're just cropping that off, you know, easily gone, nobody has to see them ever again, you're good. But navigating singleness in a family can be rather difficult. And it can be just as challenging in the church as well. There's a movie called Keeping the Faith with Ben Stiller and Edward Norton, and one of them is a priest and the other one's a rabbi. And the, the movie, the rabbi keeps complaining to the priest that everyone in his church is constantly trying to set him up. 
and constantly trying to get him dates and how awkward and how terrible it is. But people in the church can't help but sometimes be a little bit nosy about relationship statuses. They're giving helpful advice. They're trying to set people up. Or maybe you're single and you've been in groups where maybe it's at a meal or maybe it's in your group and everyone just keeps talking about married people things or talking about kids or any of those type of things. And you're sitting there as a single person just saying, is there anyone here who thinks like I do? Is there anyone here in my situation? Why is it so hard sometimes to be single in the church? After all, weren't two of the most prominent members of the New Testament single? Jesus was single. Paul was single. Maybe there's something that they have to say to us that might be able to help us out. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How should we view being single? And how can family and the church contribute to a positive view of singleness? Now, a few things right up front. Uh, singleness can take on different forms. Some people who are single have never been married. Some people have been divorced. Some people who have a spouse who has died at some point. And there are some people who are single who also have kids. At the same time, there are two different types of singleness. One is singleness for a season. Those are people who are single for a specific period of time and eventually they'll get married. And then there's people who are called to be single for life. Now, in each one of these instances, not everything that we talk about with regard to being single is going to apply to each one of these situations in the exact same way. So keep that in mind. But I think as we talk through this, that there will be things that are helpful for all of us in understanding singleness. Because the reality is our feelings about singleness can be really complicated, especially if you happen to be single. Because it's not just about how you feel about being single, but it also encompasses how your family feels about you being single, how the church feels about you being single, how our culture views being single. Everyone seems to have an opinion on your singleness. And that can lead to a lot of confusion. It can lead to a lot of consternation. There's all kinds of messages coming at you all the time. And what can happen if you're not careful is that it can lead to unhealthy mindsets with regard to singleness. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about two specific unhealthy mindsets. And then look at what the New Testament has to say that will hopefully give us a better idea. So the first unhealthy mindset that we can potentially run into is the idea that singleness is actually a problem that needs to be solved. That singleness is a problem to be solved. Being single in this view is something that's undesirable. Being single is inherently negative. It means that you aren't where you want to be when you fall into this mindset. It's the unending road on your journey towards better bliss. Now, how many of you, when you travel, are, it's about the journey, people. I love the journey, take the long way around, all those type of things. And how many of you are like, just get me there, I want to be at my destination? Yeah, I'm like that. I don't care about the travel, just get me where I'm going. And that's fine when it comes to travel, but sometimes when it comes to relationships, 
that can be problematic. That can give you potential problems. In this view, we view singleness as walking on hot sand. The sooner you get to where you're going, the better. So where does this mindset come from? Why do we fall into this unhealthy mindset? Well, some of it is the messages that we're hearing and the messages we tell ourselves about being single and about being married. That marriage is the best, most ideal destination. Everyone should and needs to be married. That somehow being single is a lesser state of being. And this is a trap that both single people and married people fall into with our view of singleness. Now, for some of you, you've watched as friends, as family members have found relationships and gotten married. And you want nothing more than to be able to experience that for yourself. I know in my friend group, there were like three or four of us whose younger siblings got married before we did. And it was one of those conversations, I remember having several conversations with some of my friends where they were really struggling with the idea that their younger siblings got married before they did. It can be a hard thing to go through. Or maybe you've just seen friend after friend get married and you're wondering, when is it gonna be my turn? Or maybe for some of you, you've had meaningful, fulfilling relationships. You know what it means. You know what you've had and you know what you've lost. And you just wanna get back to that place again. Or maybe you're thinking, if I just had someone, it would fix so many of my problems. And sometimes we're just lonely. Now these are all perfectly normal, natural feelings. But if we don't watch out, if we let ourselves go too deeply into these things, it can lead to us having problems. If we continue to think of singleness as a problem that needs to be solved, there are a number of things that can happen. First of all, it can lead to us over-romanticizing marriage. Now, this is, this is something that all romantic comedies have in common. They constantly do this on a regular basis. Every single one of them ends the moment the two people get together. Okay? I think Sleepless in Seattle. I, I love the movie, but I think it's the worst one. The movie literally ends the first time they meet. It's the first time they meet. And the movie's like, okay, it's going to be great from here. You know, they just met. We're good. Everything is fine. And what happens there is that they treat the journey of marriage as an afterthought. It's just an afterthought. You're, you're there, you're fine, everything's good. And it can create the impression that it's all an afterthought, that everything is going to be totally fine after that. And that's an issue. That's an issue. The second thing that can happen is that we become so focused on our problems and on the negative side of being single that we can think of nothing else. It's so much easier to focus on what we don't have than what we do have. And constantly looking around at other people and, and viewing what they have and wanting what they have can lead you into some bad ways where we just get into very negative thought patterns. And it can lead to us thinking, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? And we start asking ourselves that question. 
It can lead to restlessness and desperation. And we think that being single by definition means that there's something wrong. When you believe that being single is a problem to be solved, when being married or just not being single becomes the end goal, you open yourself up to making bad relational decisions. There was a friend that I had in high school. I grew up with this guy. And he was a real nice guy, but he was, he was really kind of shy. He wasn't great relationally. He, he really struggled with some of this stuff. And all he wanted was to be in a relationship. So the first person who showed him any interest, he jumped, he jumped in with both feet. And she led him down a terrible path. Maybe you've heard similar stories. Maybe you've experienced some of that on your own. When we're so focused on being married or being in relationships, it can open up problems for relationships for us. Now, married people, we can contribute to this problem too. This idea of viewing singleness as a problem to be solved. When we look at single people, do we look at them with a little bit of pity? Like they have problems that they need help from us in solving. We constantly offer fix-ups or constantly questioning about relationship status. What this can have the effect of doing is that we reinforce to single people that they aren't complete, that they're somehow lesser, that they're lacking. And we don't want to do that. So if singleness is not a problem, what is it? What is it? Well, let's look at what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 7. As we start looking at this passage, we're going to jump back and forth all through this chapter. But Paul, who is famously a single person and was single his entire life, is talking in this chapter about relationship dynamics, about marriage, about singleness, about all sorts of things that come up. And he's trying to give us wisdom from his own vast experience. And what's interesting about this chapter is on many occasions he's saying, look, I'm giving you advice I'm giving you advice, I'm not giving you commands. I'm giving you advice, I'm not giving you commands. So let's, let's hear about the advice that he has to say. So let's look at verse 7. It says this, I wish that all of you were as I am, meaning single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Now, you see what Paul's doing here. He refers to singleness in the same sentence he refers to gifts. On top of that, he says, it is actually better to stay unmarried. Now, this directly contradicts the mindset that says that singleness is a problem to be fixed. In fact, Paul's saying the exact opposite. Singleness is actually a gift. It is an active good. Now, single people, does it feel like a gift? Those of you who are married, when you were single, does singleness always feel like a gift? Now, we are now officially in Christmas season. Thanksgiving is past, and now we are in Christmas. That is the order. That is how it goes. First Thanksgiving, then Christmas, okay? So we are now officially in Christmas season. Christmas season is the season of pretending you like the gifts that people give you, okay? 
Now, a few years ago, my dad had this idea. My dad has an unusual sense of humor, and my mom has struggles with sense of humor. And so my dad had this great idea. He was going to get her one of those joke gag boxes. Are you familiar with these things? They have some outlandish product on the outside of this box, and then you put like a legitimate gift on the inside. It's supposed to just, you know, make you think that someone got you something weird. So this was the box he gave my mom. The bathe and brew, the shower coffee maker, and soap dispenser. You hook it right up to your shower nozzle. It brews your coffee while you take a shower. You can have a cup right there in the middle of your shower. So my mom opens this, unwraps this gift, and is like, what is wrong with you? What on earth is your problem? Why on earth would you give me something like this? Are you kidding me? And she just had this look, this dumbfounded look on her face the whole time. And she didn't even want to open it. Like my dad had to convince her to open the box because she's like, this is just too ridiculous. It's too ridiculous. But this is, this, is, this is what it can feel like sometimes when we refer to singleness as a gift. Okay, Sometimes it feels like a gift that I don't really want. A gift that I don't really know what to do with. But what Paul is saying here, one of the things that we need to do in order to get out of the unhealthy mindset that singleness is a problem to be solved is we need to begin to look on the positive side. We need to begin to look at it as a gift. And these are gifts that sometimes for some of you, this is a gift that's been given for a specific season. And for some of you, it's a gift that might be given for a lifetime. Now, many of you are hoping that this is not a gift that you're experiencing for a lifetime. But the idea here is that we are to focus on making the most out of this gift and of the time we've been given. If we are so eager to rush into the next season, we may miss what God has for you right here, right now, in your current phase of life. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in verse 17. He says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Do you understand that? Don't rush into your next season. God has you where you are right now for a reason. There's a purpose in it. So the second thing Paul tells us about singleness in our desire to be married or to see other people married, we can easily overlook the advantages that come with being single. Verse 28. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if you are a young woman, as if a young woman, and if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I am trying to spare you those problems. Paul is saying there is a cost associated with marriage. And this is a cost that single people don't have to pay in the same way. He continues on. He's going to elaborate on what he's talking about here in verse 32. It says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. 
An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. Paul is saying just as singleness is not a problem to be solved, marriage is not an answer for all of your problems. Okay? In fact, marriage creates a whole new set of problems, and everyone married understands that completely. Now, for me, I got married when I was 32 years old. And so I had a number of years in ministry prior to being married. And I can tell you there is a major difference between what I did then and what I do now. Uh, when I was single, I was constantly working. I, I, you know, I had multiple jobs. I was working like 70 hours a week sometimes. I would, my leaders would joke with me that I was sending them emails at like 2 in the morning. Uh, I would be gone sometimes for like three weeks at a time and never, never cared, never looked back, any of those type of things. But then I got married. And I remember the first mission trip I went on after I got married. It was like maybe a month and a half, two months after I got married. And I realized that something was different now. A day or two into this trip, I get a call from my wife, and she's like, well, I did something to the house. Hopefully, it'll be done by the time you get back. I'm like, I've never had to worry about this before. This is new. So I show up from a week of ministry, and all of my stuff that was in this closet is just sitting out in the living room. And she looks at me, and she's like, you've got to go through all this and get rid of it. I'm like, okay, this is, this is entirely different. This is new. I have not had to deal with this before. And then just this past year, I, I went on my first trip uh, as a person who has a kid. And that's a whole other set of arrangements. You're not just worrying about how one person is doing in your absence. Now it's two. And a lot of you can relate to that. But there are opportunities and advantages to being single. And not all of these apply to everyone equally, but there are opportunities to just be able to come and go as you please, to be able to respond quickly to needs. Some of you have more time than those who are married. You have more relational availability potentially. Now, if you're a single person who has kids, this is not going to apply to you in the same way. But there are differences between being married and being single. And there are distinct advantages to being single. So Paul's advice is view singleness as a gift and focus on the advantages you have. So let's look at the second unhealthy mindset that we could potentially be in with regard to singleness. And that is, singleness is a freedom to be indulged. This one tends to be something that men struggle with, but not just men. And if singleness is really a gift that's been given, then like any other gift, it can be misused and abused. There's an unhealthy mindset of singleness that's entirely centered around you and your selfish pursuits. Uh, so there's this scene in Seinfeld in one of the episodes where Jerry is like, I got to get my life together. I got to get my act together. And Kramer lectures him. And he's like, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about getting your life together? Are you thinking about marriage? Are you thinking about family? They're man-made prisons. You're doing time. Forget about watching TV when you're eating. You've got to talk about your day. It's sad, Jerry. It's a sad state of affairs. This is an exemplar. 
example of this mindset, this kind of idea that singleness is the freedom from commitment. It is the freedom from responsibility. You can think of a, a, you know, a typical like, you know, frat party guy or a stereotypical player, those type of things. They party all the time. They're just trying to sleep with as many people as they can. They regard marriage as a ball and chain. Stay single as long as you possibly can. Commitments are death. Your singleness in this mindset is all about you and all about your selfish pursuit of happiness. The longer you put off responsibility, the longer you put off commitment, the better. This is a message that's very common in our society. And Paul has some direct things to say about this as well. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. Now, to the unmarrieds, and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, so what Paul is saying here, if you can't control yourself, you need to go ahead and get married. Okay, singleness is actually not about pursuing all of your own ideas, all your own caveats, all your own selfish pursuits. It's not about that at all. Not remotely. It's not about indulging every whim and every proclivity. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Look at, look at the next verse here. But the man who has settled, in his, settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. What we see in this verse is he's saying singleness, especially long-term singleness, requires control over your will, control over your feelings, control over your temptations, control over your thoughts. And this is especially important because some of us have no idea how long our season of singleness is going to be. And so the sooner we get the idea that we are supposed to learn how to control our thoughts, feelings, temptations, and desires the better we'll be. So if singleness is, not, is a gift but not a problem, and if it's not for indulging and avoiding commitments, what is it for? What is it for? Verse 32 and 34. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Well, Paul is saying there is purpose to your singleness. This gift that you have been given for however long a season is like any gift. It needs to be stewarded. It needs to be developed. It needs to be utilized. I know it can be tough to view singleness as a gift and as your calling, but God has so much in store for you. He has so many things for you. There's a purpose to where you're at right now. And there's ways that God can use you specifically that he cannot use other people. And he wants you to lean in to those moments. Your flexibility can be a valuable asset that God can use to help people, to advance his kingdom, and to develop you as a person. This is a season for you to develop relational connection, to determine how God can use your skills and your abilities to serve others how God can use your social and relational connections to help move people closer to him. So here's a few things that you might want to consider. 
Mentor those younger than you. Be open to development and mentorship from those who are older than you and more experienced. Learn to serve in a high capacity. Use your gifts, use your talents to serve others. Take on leadership roles. Do not be afraid of commitment. And steward and care for your relationships. This is something you can do that will help you avoid the loneliness that comes. Constantly be stewarding and caring for your relationships. If you do these things, if you're willing to do these things, God will develop you as a person. And if you do end up getting married, you will have developed valuable skills that will help you. And if you don't, you will have learned the tips, the tick, tricks, that's the word, and tips that are going to help you be able to navigate this for your life and to give you purpose. And to those of us who are married, be careful how we view single people. Don't view them as lesser. Include them. Build relationships with them. Encourage them to get involved, to serve, and understand that there's a difference between care and concern. And let's knock out the relationship questions all the time. So if we want to respond today, here's how you can respond in your connection card. I will work on seeing singleness as a gift to be developed, not a problem to be solved or freedom to be indulged. If you're willing to make that work and to work on that mindset, check that off. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we ask you, We ask you for the guidance and the wisdom to be able to understand the role of singleness in our families, in our church, in our communities, and to those who are single in their own lives, God. God, help us not to fall into the trap of viewing singleness in unhealthy manners whether we're single ourselves or whether we're married. Help us to have a proper understanding that singleness is a gift. It is something we've been given. That if we think about it properly, that we can use it to help others. We can use it to find our purpose. God, help us to avoid the mindsets that can bring us down, that can cause us pain, that can cause us confusion and problems and damage our relationships. And help us to use this time, whatever it may be, to serve, to find our purpose in you, and to build meaningful relationships with others. In your name, amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.